Bradford Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. Well, we were hopeful to connect with our friend Ron Bradford, who, of course, has uh, lots of big things doing at WEEI.com that he had to uh, get done uh, earlier today. And we were uh, happy to find out that Bradford will be able to join us on the Harbor One Hotline and the Midweek Clubhouse Report with Rob Bradford, brought to you by McFarland Energy. Greater Boston and Cape Cod's choice for dependable heating and cooling solutions at McFarlandEnergy.com. Sorry to the Twitchers, no Rob today. And uh, uh, McFarland. <laughs> That's what I say when I want to get going. That's what I want when I want some energy. Let's go. You sound like a chime. Lunch. <laughs> McFarland. Uh, McFarland. Uh, have you? Uh, I know that there are only two other pitchers in big league history that gave up five yaya ding dongs in one inning. Were you able to witness any of the other two? <laughs> I don't believe so. What, what did I? I mean, I just saw that it. it I was, don't know. I figured that it's such a momentous thing that it would I mean, be etched put in it, your put brain. It, put, put it put it this way: I do not remember being mm. in attendance for something that happened like what happened last night. That was nuts. That was absolutely crazy. And you talk about you know looking like a team that was sitting on things. Oh my goodness, that was a team sitting on things. <laughs> do you take them out after three? Yaya ding dongs. Do you maybe I, consider I getting know. up after four? Yeah, or when's, mean, the, when's the right he's time? He's your ace. He's your number one. You yeah. gotta. You gotta. I mean, yeah, this sure. at that point in the game, Rich. Honestly, you you kind of have to see. Well, you know, this is amongst our best pitchers. Mm-hmm. We have if if we take him out now, we have to fill in the other eight innings or uh, sorry, other seven innings. So I, I don't have an enormous problem with that. Although obviously that was not the right move, <laughs> <laughs> but but. <laughs> But but uh, but that's why I guess I'm not a manager of the great game of baseball. Where was Tough Garrett time. Whitlock? They needed him to come in and <laughs> uh, right. fix everything, right? As a, so, but you know the Garrett Whitlock, as as Time Bloom said in his press conference about a week and a half ago, if we can only clone Garrett Whitlock, I love the fact that he actually said what everyone was thinking. Mm-hmm. Like this is the Bugs Bunny scenario, which which you know of we got course. one guy that uh, is yeah, worth exactly, a damn. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, if we can only cl- yeah. my my plan is to clone Garrett Whitlock, mm-hmm. but unfortunately that technology does not. Mm-hmm. So does that make the Houston Astros the gas house gang after what they did last night? We're just taking the trips around the bases. They were doing the cha-cha in there. They're good. They're, yeah. they're, they are a good team. And that's you – know, okay, so let's spin this forward to the Bogarts conversation, which is this does not bode well for the people who say throw a lot of money at your superstars. Because what happened here, they did not throw the money at George Springer. They did not throw money at Carlos Correa. And you're sitting here as one of the best teams in the American League. Now, you have to have the guys to fill in. Jeremy Pena is a really, really good rookie. But still, like this is the problem when you have these conversations. Because you can always default to, to the Tampa Bay Rays, the Houston Astros, and say, oh, look, you know they're doing this way. You don't need to spend the money. Well, okay, I don't think it's, it's that black and white, but good for the Houston Astros. So to compare it to the Astros, though, you're right. They say goodbye to Springer and Correa, but they also have guys like Jordan Alvarez ready to go. Right. And they still have Altuve and Bregman. So 
The Red Sox already said goodbye to Mookie Betts. So do you, you say goodbye to Mookie Betts and to Bogarts and to Devers? Then well, it feels I, like you don't have anybody. Yeah, and, and I think that you're sort of making my argument or the yeah. argument that I make, which is you can't just say you're going to do this. You mm-hmm. can't just say, and hey, we're moving on. It's just, it's, this is how it works, and we can, we can win, look at the Astros or the Rays. I, and th- I've said this before about this Red Sox team which is what's, what's disconcerting when you look at the trade deadline and the guys who are possibly in trade conversations, it's all the guys who are doing well. Like, all of them. Right. Like, if, right. You, if you strip these guys, sure, you'll get a lot back. You'll get a lot back, most of which you don't know what they're going to be. And I'll say it once again, you need to pay for certainty sometimes. If there is ever an example of – Needing to pay for certainty, I've said this, David Ortiz, when David Ortiz left, you went a whole year, you had to go get J.D. Martinez. Before that, it was John Lester, you had to pay $217 million for David Price and then trade for Chris Sale. And this year, the paying for certainty is right in front of us every single day, which is find someone to close out the last three, maybe six <laughs> outs of the game. Right? Like it's, it's Okay, the Angels paid a lot of money for Iglesias to be their closer, but you know what? It's worth it. And so sometimes you just have to pay for the certainty. Yeah, you would have thought no three after not having a closer on a really, 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 really good team, but just was missing that one piece that that would have been a a lesson. That's the point. Thank you, Rich, for bringing up the great year of 2003. Great year. So so Theo Epstein (laughs) has the closer by committee and says, you know, it's not a bad idea. But you don't have the guys to do it. You have guys like Chad Fox and Bobby Howery and all those guys. Same deal here. How many times have we heard about pockets, pockets, pockets? Oh, you know, like you, the, the starter can go 60 pitches, and when you find this pocket and that pocket, and you're stretching it out, so all of a sudden you're using five relievers. Well, that's fine, except that one of those guys isn't going to work, especially when the guy is at the end. That's the guy not working. So, yeah, right idea in a lot of ways. Wrong execution. Rob Bradford at WEEI.com. Aggression Keith talking Red Sox. And Bradfo, uh, is the door back open from the Xander Bogart side of things to the Red Sox in getting a deal done? Like when I heard it, I was kind of like, okay, what might Scott Boris be up to? I automatically furrowed the brow. What do you make of, <laughs> like, is this open or not? Uh, I, you, you lost me at furrowed the brow. Thank so, you, friend. Uh, oh, my goodness. That is that is. I do have a fantastic scene. vocabulary. I just don't use you it. You also have a fantastic brow. So. Um, oh, thank it, you. It, it, yes. Well, I'm here to build up, not tear down. Um, <laughs> That's why we have you on every week. Yeah, exactly. You should be the GM of the Red Sox then. Yeah. So the the what how I looked at the Bogarts thing was it wasn't like you know he was running to people and I don't think this was a premeditated thing saying oh well you know like I'm going to get the word out I'll negotiate I think with Bogarts it's as simple as this he desperately wants to stay I think he's burned a little bit by the fact that they aren't really showing the love back to him and he's also looking at the clock and seeing the clock is ticking a little bit. You have this record a month from now, certainly two months from now, then the conversation enters into about trading, blowing things up. So, he understands like that they have to figure out whether or not he is logically going to stay with the Red Sox in basically two months, right? I mean, that's, that's yeah. how I, I, he has to look at it that way. And, and Scott Boris can talk about, well, we're going to negotiate after the year. Well, that's because, you know, they're not going to go to them. They're not going to go to the Red Sox. They're waiting for the Red Sox to do what I've been pleading for them to do for the last couple of weeks, which is give them your best offer or close to your best offer. You have to figure out if 
he is going to want to stay around. Do you think there's any chance that, that that the Red Sox in the front office, their decision could change based on how things are going? Like, I'm thinking hypothetically, they didn't really want to commit years and dollars to Xander Bogarts, hence the really low ball offer. But if the season's playing out the way that it is, and Trevor Story is not good, the team is not good, and Bogarts is one of the few guys hitting, and he's a fan favorite, does, that, does all of that put together change them, and then they end up offering something that maybe originally they didn't want to offer? I mean, there's always a chance, and, you know, I think that certainly it has gone broken the way of Xander Bogarts more than it has broken the way of the Red Sox mm-hmm. because of Story's production, all those heating up a little bit. But, but still, I think that there's absolutely a chance. There's one piece of that which is important. You said ownership, and this is the answer that we don't know, which is where is ownership going to fall on this? Now, we think ownership basically said to Heim Bloom, hey, you know what, you do your thing. This is why we hired you. But at the same time, when the crowds are thinning out and thinning out and thinning out, and then all of a sudden you're talking about trading Bogarts, you're talking about possibly trading Devers, and you're left with a bunch of unknowns and Trevor Story playing shortstop, that is not good for the business side of things. They freaked out the business side guys when they traded Mookie Betts because what was the shirt all the little kids had? It was the Mookie shirt. Mm -hmm. And what is the shirt guy people have now? It's either Bogarts or Devers. And you can say that doesn't matter. Well, in Boston, it kind of does. So that I'd be fascinated to see when you talk about that. Will they loop back? Will ownership loop back and change their minds? When will we? When do you think we'll start to know a little bit of what they think, uh, Rob? Like I know that Brian Bello got called up to AAA. Is it when we start to see the young guys knocking on the door, and then they allow those dudes to come up? Do you think there might be an indicator as to? how or when ownership might tip their hand? No, I mean, I really think it's going to come down to the trade deadline or in July when when you have to make the decisions. Where are you in the standings? How do you feel? And the the thing that complicates this is something we've talked about before, which is you have the extra wild card team, and you, you can go back to 2019, how they were caught in the middle with Mookie Betts. They decide not to trade him, and then they get less value because you didn't trade him, and then you fall out of it immediately after the deadline. So will they just say, well, you know what? We don't think we're a championship team, so we're going to pull the trigger on Bogarts and Devers and these guys. So to answer your question, I don't think it has anything to do with really calling up Cassis or Bayo or any of these guys I think it has to do with you get to that point in July where do you think you are in the standings and then more importantly do you actually think that you have a chance to sign Bogarts endeavors on your terms do you think Bogarts has a number in mind right now that he would agree to in the season or because he didn't go to free agency last time and they just lowballed him he's going to free agency yeah. no matter what yeah you know I the number is very simple he looks around at the other shortstops. Yeah, but how I many mean, years, though? I, I mean, I know what the average annual would be based on those other guys, but the years are all over yeah, the place. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, I, I think that realistically, and I don't know if, you know, maybe they'll come in and, and try to do the shock and, oh, yeah, we want the 10-year contract. But realistically, I think you're talking about a seven-year contract at $30 million a year. I mean, isn't that and – and a lot of people would say, okay – yeah, he's not going to end up for the last three years at shortstop, but that's okay because he's among, if not the best offensive shortstop right now. So he's worth it. I mean, and another thing that's going against the Red Sox, I mean, going against Bogarts really is 
these contracts, Marcus Simeon's contract is an absolute disaster. Yeah, it sucks. It's, oh, my goodness. Like, right? And you and knew that like, was going to be. Like, that was one of those ones when they signed it. You're like, really? You guys are excited about this one? Yeah, but this is the thing, though, is that every time something like that happens, it's more ammunition for the guys who say, well, you don't run isolations for outfielders. Right. So why bother pay that much of the, sal- uh, the payroll to that one player? But with Bogarts, we've talked about it. Bogarts in my mind, means so much more than just, oh, there, there's there's numbers, that's what he does. Uh, what do you make of the possibility that in Washington they uh, the Nationals might uh, reportedly be compelled, in quotes, to move superstar outfielder Juan Soto Ooh. ahead of the August 2nd deadline? Hello. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know what, and why not? Uh-huh. I mean, could there be some matches there? Could it be... The way to cushion the blow of Bogarts does walk out the door. I mean, I'm just uh, allow me to dream, Rob. Well, yes, this is like this to step back and get the like what is the, in the imagery of the the hazy thing. Mm-hmm. Come on, you do that for the Dork Podcast, don't you? Sure. Don't you have that technology? Uh, the, have, well, the, the, the dream sequence? Yeah, dream sequence. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, I get a little yeah. hazy in my garage once I get <laughs> okay, home from here. It's a little different, but yeah. Can you get that on video so next time you bring this up that we can actually yeah. implement just that? Here, we'll, we'll, we'll just, yeah, we'll just, we can just go Wayne's World. <laughs> 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 that's what, that's what I was talking there about. There we go. Now we're good. Very well articulated. So, but I, let's, Soto is a guy that if you're going to allocate resources to, he obviously does it. But I, I think that what the Red Sox are doing, they're still on the stage in their building, in their high and bloom building, that they're trying to build things up. They're trying to, they don't want, in other words, they don't want to trade Marcelo Meyer, Tristan Cassis, and a bunch of other guys for one player. I don't think that's the road they're going. They're building this whole thing up. They want multiple, at least good players. Um, but, oh, yeah, I, I, I encourage you to dream. You're Thank a dreamer. You. Thank there you. There you go. You're oh, welcome. Very nice. Yeah, and uh, the other thing too, Rob, is that Soto reportedly turned down 13 years at 350 million dollars. <laughs> there is. I he mean, saw the Simeon deal. He's that like, is. Me? But that's the thing. Like, it does make you wonder: is it is it going to be silly season, or do GMs look at that and be like, "Whoa, wait a minute, let's not let this get out of control." As good as the player is. Here, yeah. Here's a. You know, it's funny because. I think that G, a lot of GMs are smart for not doing those deals because that can kill you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, but there are exceptions. Like Bryce Harper, I was like, what are you doing? But Bryce Harper actually has been worth it, not only because he's been good, but because we could talk about the T-shirts. Well, Bryce Harper is the face of that franchise. He is good for business. Shohei Itani, I would pay any amount of money for yep. because it's everything, right? It's pitching, it's hitting, and it's the turnstiles. Do they even have turnstiles anymore? Oh, but, I don't think so. They don't okay, have tickets. Well, no, the, no, I was just <laughs> going to say. Electronically, you just scan it yourself. There's <laughs> not anybody to let you in. There, there you go. But it, so, it, so it, sometimes it's worth it because you have the business aspect of it. But for like a Marcus Simeon, it's not worth it. He's not drawing people in. He's not producing. And now you're stuck. And I think the GMs are saying that. And I, I keep saying this. You don't run isolations for outfielders or a lot of players because it's, this is the NBA. One player isn't going to make you win, especially when the, that player is not a really good pitcher. So I don't blame them for being careful, but at the same time, you've got to be really, really careful when it comes to the business side of things. Rob Bradford at WEEI.com. I know you're busy, Bradford. Thank you for making time for us today. We appreciate it. We'll catch you soon. All right, guys. I'll see you. All Thanks, right. sir. There goes uh, Rob Bradford.